Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we look back at Andy Reid discussing his new deal with the Chiefs, extending him out for the foreseeable future. Also, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, we look back at some of the best memories as a Chiefs fan from Talon Graff and Mitch Carney. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Charles, what was your reaction to the Chiefs extending Andy Reid and Brett Veach's contracts? Well, first of all, they, they haven't been made official quite yet. They're still working out the minutia of the contracts before announcing them officially. Um, Andy Reid, he got hit with a barrage of questions about uh, the contract during his recent media availability. And he was like, hold on, back up a second. I can't talk about this because it hasn't actually happened yet. But obviously, I want to be here. I love it here. I'd love to have my contract extended. That was about the the bulk of his comments on that uh, when he spoke to the media. But, I mean, that's a really good way to feel about it. That's the way you've got to feel about it. Because Reed and Veach, they've built this culture that is critical to the success of this football team. They don't win Super Bowl 54 without what those two have built over the course of the last couple seasons here. So, I mean, frankly, keeping them both will provide the team with such stability moving forward that they'll have a very good chance to repeat uh, and win another championship or several over the next couple of years here. So, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing not to like about locking uh, Veach and Reed up long-term in Kansas City. Kudos to Clark Hunt because, man, this guy has been... He's been dishing out the dough to uh, to everybody this offseason, from uh, Patrick Mahomes to Chris Jones, uh, and now to hand out these uh, big contracts to, to Reed and Veach and then the Travis Kelsey uh, deal there. I mean, just uh, a wonderful, wonderful offseason for Kansas City from a contractual standpoint. Do you see the Chiefs adding a recently waived player before the season starts? I don't know that I see that happening. I think the Chiefs, they really like the group of players that they have already, that it's a competitive group of players, and and they're just confident in the group of guys that they have. I think the big problem with claiming a waived player right now and this close to the season opener is that the COVID-19 screening really kind of holds things up. They'll essentially be forced to go through, you know, three to four days of screening before they can actually get in the building and start practicing and working with the team. And, I mean, we've seen sometimes that can go a little longer. I mean, Daniel Kilgore was signed, I don't know how long ago, but he hasn't even been able to practice with the team yet because of the COVID-19 screening. I mean, I could see them going out and signing a veteran free agent that becomes available, not necessarily someone who is is waived and on waivers. A guy that's been in the league for a few years that, that could get up to speed quickly. Um, I've already mentioned the possibility of going after a guy who was recently released, uh, like Leonard Fournette. He cleared waivers, so he's a free agent. He could absolutely reinforce their backfield depth. I know a lot of people are like, well, he's not a scheme fit. He's a power running guy. You're you're dead wrong. We're talking about a guy who caught more passes last season than Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy combined. All right. We're talking about a guy who can run inside zone. He can run outside zone. He can run duo. I mean, he can do some things. He's not just this downhill uh, uh, 
you know, classic style running back. I mean, he's he, he's got some power. He can run with some power, but he can also do some of the finesse stuff too that, that the Chiefs seem to like so much. And, you know, th- there's a noticeable shift in some of the types of guys that the Chiefs are, are liking and bringing in. Kalichi Osimile, for example, he's not the traditional type of offensive lineman that you would expect the Chiefs to to go after, yet they got him. They brought him in, and he plays with an edge. And I'd like to see a guy like Fournette running behind him. But um, even beyond Fournette, I think it's more likely that we see them bring in, you know, maybe a veteran who gets released in, in roster cuts than it is that we see them go and, and grab a, a player that was waived. Um, unless, of course, it's a guy that, you know, that they had a draftable grade on that gets released someone you know in the same vein where where they value them like they did say Charvarius Ward who they went out and traded for uh ahead of the 2017 season so if it's something like that where they're like okay hey yeah we like this guy a lot and we liked him ahead of the draft a lot we think he can make an impact on our team then they'll absolutely sniff around the possibility of of, of claiming a guy but uh, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. I mean, things are so, so different this year with um, the, the different protocols with COVID-19 and the way they're evaluating players. I, I mean, it really opens the door for a lot of different things and a lot of different ways that the front office can approach adding players to this roster. Any lingering injury concerns heading into week one? Right now, there doesn't seem to be anything big in terms of injuries. The last practice injury report had only two players absent from practice, and that was Martinez Rankin and Kalichi Osamali. Um, Rankin had been on the, the PUP list recovering from his season-ending knee injury in 2019. Unless something changes in the next few days and he's able to pass his physical, Look for him to start the season on the PUP list. And what what exactly does that mean? Um, Rankin wouldn't be allowed to practice or return to action until uh, week seven of the 2020 season. So he has to sit out the first six weeks if he starts on the PUP list. So that's something to watch. That's something to keep in mind. Rankin p- could be a guy who comes in and reinforces the offensive line depth later in the season. We'll just kind of have to see how that plays out. With Osemele, Andy Reid called it neck stiffness. He missed a few practices um, earlier in training camp uh, with what was called a shoulder injury. I didn't get the indication that this would be a big thing. Reid said they'd kind of dial him back at practice a bit. Expect Mike Remmers to fill in at practice while while he's out, but um, I, I think Osemele will be back in there and, and getting back to work before next week when it's kind of crunch time ahead of the season opener. And as always, Charles, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, we have a ton of stuff covering the uh, Chiefs Super Bowl ring reveal. I absolutely, for one, love the design on those rings with uh, all the different details and uh, meaning that is attached to just all those individual details. Jostens and, and all the people, the Chiefs organization who designed those rings, I mean, they did an incredible job. Kudos to them. Our final 53-man projection ahead of Saturday's roster cuts was posted on Tuesday. Now, I really tried to hone in on the flexibility that the new practice squad rules gives the team, especially with the early suspensions of Bashad Breeland and Mike Pennell. I think that's going to combine to allow the team to keep some guys on sort of a trial basis, guys that they would have normally let go, to kind of see, hey, like maybe is this guy what we think he is after all these training camp practices? Because remember, it is tough to evaluate these players without any preseason, to without seeing them in live action. I mean, yeah, you have some scrimmages, but... Even so, it's really tough to kind of know what that player is going to be like until you see him in live game action against an opponent. So for a guy like, say, Taco Charlton, new guy on the team, learning behind Frank Clark, that's a guy that you want to keep, but he's in a position where there is a logjam. There's a ton of players. So maybe you keep him on the roster on 
trial basis, one or two games, player like Mike Pennell comes back and you're like, okay, this guy impressed me more than, say, Breland Speaks. Then you get a chance to make that decision between Breland Speaks and Taco Charlton or two other guys on the roster. That's just an example. But I I think that that's going to be something that they really consider doing for a couple of guys on the team that they're interested in, but they're not quite sure about them yet. Now, uh, I think I speak for the whole team here at Chiefs Wire when I say that we're all anxious to kick off the regular season and our game day lineup of content for you. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it next week. Thank you guys so much for listening all off-season long and reading the website. We appreciate you all so much. Go Chiefs! For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back, and it's that time again. It is time for the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. I have Mitch Carney, I got Talon Graff, and guys, it's only a couple days away from the first game of the season. I'm just stumbling on my words because I'm really excited right now. You know, Chiefs-Texans, is this close? We've been talking about it for so long, and yet it's this close. Mitch, what is your, your initial thoughts right now as we're basically at the final countdown? Man, I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see some football. Uh, I know college football started. I think there was a game uh, this last Saturday. I didn't get a chance to watch it. So I haven't yet to see really any live football yet. But, man, I am pumped for the season. I, I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah, uh, my sentiments exactly. Uh, last Saturday, I actually spent all day watching football. They had a couple of high school games on, and then I, I, I did watch Austin Peay versus Central Arkansas. I never thought that would come out of my mouth. I don't even, you know, that, that's pretty low on the totem pole when it comes to high quality games. But no, it was a good game. It was fun to watch. It's just fun to know that football's back. And yeah, the, knowing the Chiefs football is right around the corner, like just over a week away, man, it's it's thrilling. It's like Christmas in uh, in September. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up um, high school football. Uh, was it Deion Sanders coaching his son, I think, that was playing uh, um, this past weekend? Yeah, yeah. Um, Texas Trinity or something, something like that. Yeah, they uh, his son plays quarterback and Dion is a is a coach. So yeah, that was cool to see. Yeah, definitely got to remember. We got to also remember that Dion Sanders also knows Leon Sandcastle, you know, <laughs> former Kansas City Chiefs uh, draft pick. Let's not forget about that, okay, guys? Okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's my courty joke for the day. Um, right now for today's show, uh, this is actually Talon's idea. How about he said that we break down the top Chiefs memories, like as a fan the different memories of the Chiefs, especially since we're heading into a new season. And um, Talon, I think this is a pretty unique um, topic. How about you start us off and uh, give us your list? Yeah, for sure, man. It's uh, definitely feeling nostalgia and and just with the, you know, the recent Super Bowl victory and with football right around the corner. And we haven't had live sports and, you know, a lot of 2020 and everything is going through it. Just, I just wanted to look back on some good times. And even though, as Chiefs fans, we've had a lot of good times in, you know, last couple of years, man, we've, we've really been, I don't want to say a snake bitten franchise or a snake bitten fan base. Um, but when you look back at some of the things that the Chiefs have accomplished and what we've been able to witness as fans, even in our young years, I know where there are fans out there that were able to witness Super Bowl one and, you know, Hank Stram, Lynn Dawson, all that stuff. But, um, you know, for us in our generation, there, there are some good things, good, some high points. And I just wanted to kind of touch on some of those, um, some of the things that really stood out to me as growing up as a Chiefs fan. So one of the ones um, that uh, one of my fondest Chiefs memories was, uh, back in 2004, the Chiefs were a struggling team going in uh, to a matchup with the Atlanta Falcons, who were only one loss. So everybody was saying that the Falcons were going to win. They are going to run away with it. Nobody really gave Chiefs a chance. And right off the get-go, man, Derek Blaylock and Priest Holmes in the running game of the Kansas City Chiefs just imposed their will. Um, I think at the time, if my memory does serve me correctly, that the Atlanta Falcons had the number one rushing defense or at least top five rushing defense at the time. And the fact that Priest Holmes was able to score four touchdowns on the ground, and then he got out of the game in the second half, and Derek Blaylock is back up, 
was able to punch in a score in the first half and then add three more in the second. So Derek Blaylock, Priest Holmes, each rushing for four touchdowns in a 56-10 to 10 win over the uh, uh, one of the better rushing defenses in the league at the time, Atlanta Falcons. I mean, that was just – it was a nice little uh, jolt to the season, even though the Chiefs only went like 7-9 that year uh, in 04. It was, it was coming off of a year in 2003 where they went 13-3. They were very uh, successful. They high-powered offense. And then coming in 2004 with a slow start, it was just – it was great to see the Chiefs be successful in that sort of way, get back to that ground and pound with the offensive line and Prius Holmes and Derek Blaylock. Like it was just a really good memory, really fun game to see, and especially since all the pundits and talking heads really just didn't give the Chiefs a chance. And uh, they really just kind of smacked the Falcons around. It was, a, it was a fun memory for sure. And then to kind of piggyback off that kind of the same era, <clears throat> going back to 2003 when the Chiefs started 9-0, and and that was pretty cool, too. Um, they ended up going 13-3. and three. Uh, And I lived in Shawnee, Kansas at the time. Uh, you know, being a 12-year-old, <laughs> really not, you know, in the 90s, the Chiefs were successful. But at the time, you know, being a young kid, six, seven years old, not really having vivid memories of that. But seeing the Chiefs, you know, being a preteen, really actually being able to understand what was going on. Uh, and, and really able to cherish and value what I was seeing, you know, my local sports team do. And, and to be undefeated for that long, you, you don't see teams do that in the NFL much. And, and, and to be that far into the season and that far ahead of everybody else, you know, people got started talking like, are they going to go undefeated? Who's going to stop them? And eventually, you know, Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, whatever you want to call him. Uh, I remember the, you know, he was, He's always been a talker, but I remember he even predicted the Bengals win, and they ended up stopping the Chiefs' undefeated season that year. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, that was just a really cool moment and a really cool stretch to see the Chiefs be that successful in 9-0. and um, They really hadn't seen success since the 90s. You know, Dick Vermeil had shown up. It was a brand-new era with Trent Green and, and all those sort of players. So that was, that was a cool moment. And the same thing, uh, same season, 2003, <clears throat> Priest Holmes breaking the single-season rushing touchdown record. Uh, with 27 he did it in the final game of the year against Chicago the Chiefs uh, won that game 31 to 3 so pretty handedly Uh, it was cool to see a guy like Priest Holmes who had kind of always been the understudy at Texas and then um, even in Baltimore was never really the guy and then had that stretch with the Chiefs and ended up breaking the record he held it for a couple years before Alexander up in uh, Seattle broke it but um, I remember the play he broke it he get you know he was it was inside the 10 uh, he, he broke a couple tackles and then he, he did a little, he just kind of waltz into the end zone from like two yards out, um, stretched the ball over the goal line, you know, kind of, kind of squeezed every bit of juice out of that moment he could. And, and to see the offensive line celebrate with him in the, in the entire, you know, Chiefs kingdom, it was pretty cool to see, uh, a record like that fall. And, and even though it didn't stand for very long, it was just a very cool moment for me to see that. And then, um, I'll touch on a couple more recent ones. Alex Smith getting traded to the Chiefs. That was a pretty cool moment. Um, kind of the same sort of venue. A lot of unsuccessful seasons with the Chiefs, but then all of a sudden Alex Smith gets traded. We finally have stability at the quarterback position, a former number one overall pick. Uh, you know, the guy had a lot of good years in San Francisco prior to coming to Kansas City. So to know that we finally had someone that we could trust, someone that's going to lead the team, you know, he's not going to be, you know, a guy that, He's not going to guarantee a Super Bowl, but he's going to he's going to make your team a hell of a lot better than what we've been. Um, so that obviously was a great memory. Um, just it, it felt like a shift in, in the in the in the time warp there. And then kind of the same vein, Andy Reid being hired. That was a big time hire. Uh, getting Dick Vermeil in the early 2000s, being a, a Super Bowl winning coach just across the state in St. Louis, um, and, and he was a big time name. He he coached Philadelphia for a long time before he got to St. Louis. He was a very well-respected head coach. Coming out of retirement to coach the Chiefs was a big thing. But then Andy Reid was the same sort of feeling. You know, we, we have somebody that's a very well-respected guy. He's been to the Super Bowl. He, uh, he took the Eagles to a Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots. He, uh, one of the winningest head coaches, and now he's, he's going to lead the Chiefs. And um, he's got Alex Smith under his, his helm, and Andy Reid was always a, a good quarterback coach. So – Alex Smith coming, Andy Reid coming, 
again, just kind of it felt like a shift was coming, and of course it did. And, and you know, the rest is history, as they say. And uh, and and we have a bright future because of Alex Smith and and Andy Reid, of course, with the extension and all that now. So yeah, those those five right there, kind of throwing it back to the early two thousands, and then uh, more recently, yeah, those five really stick out in my mind. Okay, and and obviously that you know that's a great lesson. And I always find it interesting, like when you guys bring up Priest Holmes, and and you know his impact was. It was immediate right when he got to the Chiefs. And, and you kind of felt like, you know, he had his great years, but you always wished it was a little bit more time, you know, if you didn't have the injuries and, and everything else that came with it. Um, just talking about that season when they, they had the fast start, can you remember just a, another time when uh, the Chiefs were that hot just to start a year and you kind of felt like maybe they could turn the corner? Because you said this was 2003? Correct. Yeah, that was 03. In 2003, and then you, you're talking about coming off of years where it was some tough seasons. Yeah, yeah, the early 2000s were nothing to write home about. You know, we had a, a multiple high draft picks, and, and we didn't win a lot of games um, after Marty left. We were kind of recycling through, you know, free agent quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks. It was, it was a tough time. But now to answer your question, um, to start off that hot, I mean, the only other time I can think of something that would be reminiscent of that was uh, when they started 9-0 in 93. Um, or not 93, I'm sorry. They didn't go 9-0 in 93. Um, but they they went 13-3, and I meant to say. Um, but, you know, back then, you know, with uh, uh, Joe Montana, what am I saying? 95. They went 13-3, 95. Um, and then, uh, wow, I'm I'm screwed up here. But, no, to answer your question, it's no. Okay. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really recall a moment or a season where the Chiefs really jumped out to a start like that you know, 9-0 and 3 And the fact – in the 90s, the Chiefs kind of – you knew what they were. They're going to be a defensive team. They, they, you knew they had a good coach, um, and you knew what to expect from them. But in 03, they kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, it was kind of set up in 02 a little bit. And you know with Dick Vermeil and Priest Holmes, Tony Gonzalez, and, and, and stuff like that. But you, knew, you didn't expect them to go 9-0. and You didn't expect them to go 13-3 on the season. And, and, and they, they kind of caught a lot of people by surprise, especially Chiefs fans. I don't think they really expected that either. Um, no, I think 03 was a special season. Uh, it definitely was. And, you know, obviously that, that builds a foundation for future teams. But that era, I guess that era with Dick Vermeil, it just never could get over the hump. But, uh, you know, you also talked about the current era win right now with Alex Smith and, and that kind of like opened the door for uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's a good place to be. But I don't want to take over your list. So let's get to your uh, – you had other choices in terms of top moments. Um, as a Chiefs fan, so uh, let's hear them. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, and these are going to be a lot more recent. Um, so, Mahomes throwing that 50th touchdown, that was a cool moment. Uh, kind of a an unknown guy coming in. I mean, he was a 10th overall pick. A lot of people weren't sure about it. He sat for the first year. Um, then he started against Denver the, the last game of the season. And then the next year, it was his team. It was his year. And to come out in your first year as a starter, throw for 50 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards, that's just crazy. You know, it's hard to even comprehend, you know, two quarterbacks before Mahomes had done that. And they're Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, arguably one and two or one a two way in terms of best quarterbacks to ever play the game. So for Mahomes, a young kid like that, who had a lot of question marks around him from a lot of people to perform like that and to lead the team like that. It was crazy. And it was, it was something that I'll always remember. It was something that I, you know, I'll tell my kids about, you know, by the time my kids are old enough, it'll probably be Mahomes' retirement party, retirement, you know, uh, tour and all that. So I can, I can look back and tell them, hey, you know, I remember his first year. I remember the first time. I remember when he became a name. I remember his MVP season. And I think that'll just be something I'll be able to share with them, and I'm looking forward to that. And then the 2019 playoff comebacks. Um, you know, the year in, year out, the Chiefs have, you know, when they make the playoffs, it took them, you know, a long time to end the playoff drought. They would always they, – they, they had that uh, uh, reputation of just kind of, you know, pooping down their legs, if, if you will, in the playoffs and never really coming through, never really living up to the hype. But then 2019, and you see him fall behind early, and he, I'd be lying if I didn't say, you know, had that thought, here we go again. Some things just never change. But all of a sudden, you know, the Chiefs come back and they win the first one. And then the same thing happens, you know, against the, the Texans. Then the same thing happened against the Titans. And it was such a cool thing to see the Chiefs get over that hump in such a explosive manner. Uh, it, it's almost like they were teasing us and like, you know, let's 
let's let's give him a, a head start, and then we'll just we'll come roaring back. It was just really cool to see that 2019 playoff stretch and the and the comebacks and all that. It was really exciting. And then in the Super Bowl, we'll do the same thing. Um, and then the first playoff win uh, since '93 against Houston. Um, that was cool. Um, that was cool to experience with my with my family, who you know years and years and years, like I mentioned you know, playoff losses and, and uh, what could have been teams and all that stuff to see them actually. And they won pretty handily against the Texans that year. I remember the opening kickoff, Niall Davis took it back uh, for six. And uh, to have that game win in that manner, following the, the, the meltdown in Indianapolis, I think it, it was either the year before the, or a couple years prior, where it looked like, you know, we had such a huge lead and all of a sudden it melts away and the Chiefs once again lose the playoffs and dramatic fashion and then just to erase all that and all of a sudden the monkey's off the back Chiefs have a playoff win all right here we go things are turning around um and then my these are my top two right here uh, Eric Berry returning from his cancer diagnosis um he missed a season uh you know d- dealing with that uh getting healthy uh beating cancer and then coming back and I did oh just just I wasn't I wasn't in the stands I would have loved to be there I would have loved to felt the energy felt the emotion but even just seeing it on tv it was a special thing, man. And Eric Berry means so much to the Chiefs organization, so much to the Chiefs kingdom. Seeing him come back and actually suit up and, and, and the emotional leader that he is and just – it's like it, it was so thrilling to see him back on the field. And that will, that will forever be a special moment. It, it, it Very close to number one, but you cannot say that Super Bowl 50 is not the greatest memory the Chiefs will ever have. Uh, Super Bowl four, it's so way back. The Super Bowl was not the Super Bowl that it is now. You know, I hate to say it, you have to respect the legends, you have to respect old school, and Super Bowl Four will ever be a, a fond memory for, for all of the Chiefs' kingdom. But Super Bowl 50, it, it hits different. You know, um, the, the years and years and years of turmoil in, in the 80s and the 70s when they just weren't that good, and the 90s when they had Super Bowl-winning defenses, but the offense just didn't add up. In the early 2000s when it was flipped, the offense seemed to be Super Bowl-winning, but the defense struggled. And then everything just kind of added up and, and linked up in uh, just in 2019. And you got Mahomes, you got Reed, you got Tyreek Hill, you got Travis Kelsey, and you got a, a defensive coordinator like Steve Spagnola who'd been there, done that, turned the defense around, and all of a sudden you're hoisting the Super Bowl championship, something that a lot of Chiefs fans never thought would happen. Uh, at least in their lifetime. And I, I was always – I kind of – you know, I'm a young kid. Um, I'm going to be 30 here in about a month. I had my doubts. Is, is it ever going to happen? Am I going to see a Chiefs Super Bowl? Well, it happened. And, and I'm, I'm – you know, I'm man enough to admit I had tears in my eyes. I was crying, uh, you know, seeing the team do it. And, the, and Damian Williams' touchdown run, it was just like, all right, we did it, man. And um, I don't know. That, that was cool. That will uh, forever be etched in my memory is just you – know, we, we did it. We earned it. Everything is worth it for this moment. Well, I think it's not hard to uh, pick that one as a as a top moment. You know, it's it's. I feel like no Chiefs fan ever is going to just you know not use the uh, the the recent Super Bowl win. So I completely understand that one. And uh, just talent, like I said, overall, just a great list. And you know, obviously, a lot of Chiefs fans will agree with you on that one. I'm really curious to see what Mitch has and if he has something different to uh, throw into this group. So, Mitch, how about your list? Yeah, I got a lot of similar ones, um, a couple of different experiences. Um, you know, I didn't really rank mine because I think, you know, all these experiences and all these memories are like really high up there. It was kind of hard for me to pick and choose which ones were my favorite. So uh, I'll just kind of go through a list here. Uh, my first one is, um, you know, this was my first Chiefs game. So like this always will have a special place in my heart. Um, it was the uh, it was in 2010. I think I was 12 years old. Um, it was Eric Barry first pick six um you know that was like that was like I said that was my first Chiefs game so seeing Eric Berry just you know get that get that interception and run it back into the end zone it was like oh my gosh like I really fell in love with the game of football right there I really fell in fell in love with the Chiefs because I don't think I was quite really a Chiefs fan yet you know that was my first game and I did see Eric Berry you know make this amazing play and I was like oh my gosh Eric Berry is like a superhero out here on the field just going crazy getting this crazy, uh, doing this crazy play and then piggybacking on top of that, uh, you know, uh, watching Eric Berry, uh, return, uh, a couple of seasons ago, you know, fighting back from cancer, kind of just like what Talon said, it was crazy to see, like he played, plays such a big part in the Chiefs organization. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, just such a big part of Chiefs history and just watching him come back was crazy. I, unfortunately I wasn't there either, but, 
um, I had some family there and he just, they told me that was the loudest they've ever heard Arrowhead, just him playing back here in the roar of the crowd and then seeing his reaction on the field and him playing with so much heart that season, trying to get that contract, just proving like, Hey, you know, just because I had cancer doesn't mean I still can't play. And, you know, he, you know, I think he had his best season that year and, uh, you know, just seeing him come back that game was really big also. Um, my next one is I'm always, I've always been a really big Jamal Charles fan. Uh, Jamal Charles is my favorite chief of all time. I think besides Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, besides Eric Berry, Jamal Charles was probably my favorite chief. Um, and one of my favorite moments of his was, you know, him becoming the all-time rushing leader against the Chargers. Um, I don't remember quite what year it was, but I just remember him like, you know, making this crazy play. I think he was running back and forth and he dived in dived into the end zone and then one of our former corners Brandon Flowers hit him in the air and he just went flying and did like a 360 and uh, he just popped right back up and ran to the sideline and you know there's so many plays I could talk about where Jamal Charles just you know had this crazy play but that one always sticks out in my mind because you know he became the Chiefs all-time rushing leader all-time rushing leader there and unfortunately he wasn't able to get a Super Bowl with the Chiefs but he was definitely one you know one of the only reasons to watch the team for a while but just how bad they were and you know, he always just made the Chiefs really fun. Um, my next one is, uh, you know, in 2013, whenever we traded for Alex Smith and signed Andy Reid, you know, all the same things that Talon said, you know, this was finally a time where they finally got a good quarterback I and mean, we got a really good coach to come in and kind of take that next step for the team. Um, I grew I grew up uh, during the Matt Castle era. I don't – I was born in 1998, so I didn't really get to see any of the good 90s Chiefs. So I really only saw the bad early 2000s and, you know, really the 2010s because that's whenever I kind of became aware and started watching the Chiefs. So I didn't really see a lot of good things. Um, I guess you could say Matt Castle has a pretty uh, low place in my heart for me because I just, uh, yeah, I saw some pretty bad things with him and he's the only the main quarterback I remember before we got Alex Smith. Uh, but in 2013, you know, it was like, oh, okay, well, we finally have these guys. We finally have a team and we can compete. And that year we made the playoffs. Unfortunately, we lost to the Colts, but uh, it was first. That was the first time in my life where I was like, okay, the Chiefs can actually be a contender for the Super Bowl. They can actually, you know, you know, do some things. So it was great to see to finally see that in 2013. Um, my next one is, uh, you know, in 2018 when Mahomes threw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. I was actually at that game where that happened against the Raiders, and you know, that was such a cool experience to see. And then also, uh, just that whole season in general, just him being uh, such an elite quarterback and just popping on right away, uh, you know, his first season starting, and he's breaking records, he's doing a lot of crazy things. Uh, you know, he became the Chiefs, he broke a lot of Chiefs records that year, he broke Lynn Dawson's record, and that's crazy to think about that, you know, in his first season, Mahomes, you know, breaks records from 1969, and how that's just how long we haven't had an elite quarterback in Kansas City. So that's one of the memories I'll always have is just Mahomes is automatically becoming, you know, such a great player and it's really taking the Chiefs to becoming a Super Bowl contender instead of always just being a dark horse every year. You know, we could finally say like, okay, like we are contending for the Super Bowl and, you know, we have a chance to win this. And I think we'll always have a chance until Mahomes retires. Um, and then also just the entire 2019 season, you know, I can make a list of 10 things from, from this season that I will always remember, but, uh, just to speak on a couple, you got the playoff comebacks. You have Mahomes coming back from dislocating his knee. Uh, we got the Super Bowl and we got the Texans win. Uh, there's just so many things I could talk about the 2019 season. And honestly, it's still kind of going uh, just this week. The Chiefs got their Super Bowl rings. And I'll always remember that, you know, watching the ceremony, watching um, Andy Reid get his first ring. And, you know, that's all that's just a really good experience. This year has been you know, amazing as a Chiefs fan. But I guess uh, my number one memory is uh, watching the Super Bowl. Um, I got to go home to watch the Super Bowl with my dad and my grandpa. Um, you know, that's family I don't get to see very often. I got to go watch it with them. And that's a memory I'll always remember. Uh, just listening to my grandpa talk about when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl in 1969. He's one of the, he's probably the only guy I know that, you know, saw them win their first Super Bowl. So getting to talk to him about that, and getting to have that experience where I got to watch them when, you know, the Super Bowl this last year was such a cool experience watching it with my dad and just, you know, you know, our dream finally came true. The Chiefs finally won. So 
it's just such a cool experience. Uh, I'm, you know, really happy that we were able to do that together. So that's my list of my top memories as a Chiefs fan. I, I like the um, how you brought in more of the uh, the personal, you know, aspect of it. Uh, watching it with your family and being a lifelong Chiefs fan, which I know a lot of people could definitely um, understand and definitely relate to. Um, you also brought the Matt Castle years, you know. How about, can you just get, d- dive a little deeper into the Matt Castle years and just the understanding of what you guys thought so, of him as a quarterback? So I was, like, I was, like, so I I was born in 1998. So Matt Castle, I saw a little bit of the end of Trent Green's year, but Matt Castle was the main quarterback I remember, you know, kind of growing up. And uh, uh, we just did not see some very good years. I think he made the Pro Bowl one year, but, you know, we went 2-14 and 14 one year, uh, you know, the year before we got Alex Smith. And I don't know if it was necessarily all Matt Castle's fault. Um, he's the guy I'm always going to blame just because he's the guy I remember, him and Romeo Cornell. But, uh, I mean, those are some pretty rough years. So I guess I haven't seen the worst of it. Uh, but. Um, I'm really glad the Chiefs uh, moved on from him and got uh, Alex Smith and Andy Reid. That is probably one of the best things that the Chiefs ever did uh, as an organization. I definitely agree with that. And just to throw in some uh, current events, when you talk about Andy Reid and even Brett Veach, for that matter, the uh, they both received extensions. So I'm curious for you guys, uh, your thoughts on that, Andy Reid and uh, Brett Veach both being extended together to kind of continue this run with Mahomes and the uh, rest of the group. And Talon, I'm going to start with you on that one. Yeah, well, it's just that whole mentality that uh, the run it back mentality that has been going on the whole offseason. And it's obvious the value where, where the Chiefs front office sees the value. Uh, they see value in Mahomes. They see value in Jones. They see value um, in, in Kelsey. And then obviously without Andy Reid and without Brett Veach, those guys are, have earned this. And, and without them, none of this is possible. Um, Andy Reid is by far my favorite coach of all time. Um, without a doubt. And then Brett Veach has really stepped up and uh, and proven he is worthy of being a general manager in this league. And uh, he knows how to build a Super Bowl team. Um, and I know a lot of, a lot of guys were, were upset when uh, – I can't, can't remember his name, but he's, he's a GM in, uh, in Indianapolis now. And we let him go. And then uh, Dorsey went to Cleveland, and, and nobody really knew who Brett Veach was. And all of a sudden, sudden now everybody knows who Brett Veach is, and he's really earned that. And I'm 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 really thrilled to know that Andy Reid and Brett Veach are locked up, and I think I think this is the start of something very very special. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it. I thought it was a great move to sign both of them for six more years. Uh, people forget that Andy Reid is actually younger than Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, so he's still got plenty of football left in him. I can see him coaching for you know even longer than six years if. If he's still ready and if he's still wanting to coach, I can see him coaching for longer. And then just like what Talon said with Brett Veach, uh, he's definitely earned it. Um, Just look what he did this offseason. He's had almost a perfect offseason. He's retained everybody. He's brought in some, you know, some players that can compete like Taco Charlton and a couple of of other players. And uh, what he's done for the Chiefs, in a short time with uh, with a short time being the general manager is more than what we can say with a lot of GMs. And, you know, I, I would consider him maybe being a uh, competing or, you know, being considered for executive of the year with, you know, with the type of off season he had. So if he can keep up this pace and Andy Reid can continue to, uh, you know, pave the NFL with offensive creativity, the Chiefs uh, definitely made the right decision extending both of them. Well, definitely a smart move. You want to keep the band together, and especially, like you just said, running back, you want to have consistency not only with the players but also in the front office and with the coaching staff. I just thought it was such a great – it was a smart move, and it just shows that the Chiefs are ahead, pretty much ahead of the game when it comes to maintaining the right team together and, and just keeping that same synergy. So I definitely see that. And, um, you know, before we uh, continue on, I actually wanted to throw in a, uh, a Chiefs moment. You know, so here's the thing. I, I'm from New York. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people are listening understood that um, from before. But um, there was a moment that involved the Chiefs, and they played the New York Giants. This was about a week or two after 9-11. I don't know if you guys obviously remember that game. I was three now. Oh, yeah, you probably – yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a uh, – it was such an interesting time. It was right after 9-11 – 
Um, they had to cancel the uh, week two of the season because this is the very beginning of the season. So the very first game back was the uh, Chiefs and Giants during uh, what was supposed to be week three ended up being everyone's week two. And uh, I just remember the games in Kansas City and the Giants got a standing, ovation, a standing ovation as they got into Arrowhead Stadium. And, you know, for, for me, like I said, uh, I'm a New Yorker and watching that and watching how the Chiefs kingdom embraced the Giants and embraced the city of New York during that time, I just thought that was such a cool moment. And it didn't matter, like, what jersey you were wearing. We were all kind of like, we we're all on the same team and we we're all just looking out for each other. So I just thought that was a really cool moment. Um, it didn't matter what the score was. We're, like, we're not going to get into that. But um, I just thought that was a moment that I wanted to throw out there um, in regards to uh, Chiefs history. That is a good one. That is a good I do remember that game. Um, and I, I did feel – I mean, the whole – that whole time period, I, I was uh, uh, 10 years old, just about to be 11. Um, but, you know, everything about that time period is very – I don't want to say memorable, but it's it's just something that none of us will ever forget. And in moments like that, and I remember, um, you know, feeling not only proud to be a, a Chiefs fan, but just proud to be an American and, and knowing that even though these two teams are doing battle and just kind of piggybacking off what you said, Ed, um, yeah, it was just – it was uh, it, it was very heartwarming and very moving, uh, just emotional, knowing what the, the nation as a whole was going through and – and uh, even though the, you know, we're wearing two different color jerseys, we're, we're, we're from two different cities that are completely different. We're all from the same country. We're all built from the same mold and, and we're all kind of in this together and we're all experienced that same thing together. So that was, I, I that, that's a good one. That, that is a very good one. Yeah, I definitely uh, was too young to remember that, but it sounds like a really great memory and it sounds like a, you know, a really great moment in NFL history and uh you know, I was glad Kansas City was able to do that. And it sounds like something we could uh, definitely benefit from today. Uh, just, you know, being on the same team and all that stuff. <laughs> I, I definitely agree. That's something that we uh, we would all love, you know, to see that type of uh, environment around the world. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. 2020 uh, is not over yet. We're hoping for good things, hopefully, for the, uh, the remainder of it. But um, I will say this, on a brighter note, we are once again only a couple of days away from the start of the NFL season. Everything seems to go. Guys, final thoughts before we head into the final show before the actual games begin. Uh, just just excitement. Um, you know, I think everything is that we've been through in 2020, uh, you know, the, the division that the country's going through and um, – the just the the unknowing of kind of what what to expect next and it just seems like one thing after another and um but now it's it's I don't want to say there's a light at the end of the tunnel because like you said we just don't really know what's going to happen next and um but it's knowing that the Chiefs are going to take the field we are going to see them uh raise the banner we are going to see them defend their Lombardi trophy at least you know one week at a time um and uh it's going to be a special moment, and I think that everybody, all NFL, all football fans are going to have their eyes on this game. Um, and uh, I, I do think it's going to be a special moment for the Chiefs. I think they're going to really kind of handily win this game. I, just, I think the Texans have, have really set themselves back with the offseason moves that, that they've been making. And um, I'm really looking forward to just a, a, a kind of a, a smack-in-the-mouth smack moment for the Texans, but also just a, a kind of a, a – bright moment to, to getting back to normalcy in a, in a year that nobody expected and, and none of us really can, can even elaborate on what it's done to us as, you know, mentally and, and what's going to, what the future holds. And I just, I'm looking forward to somewhat being excited and, 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 uh, and hopefully coming together for the first time in a long time. Yeah, uh, definitely everything that talent just said, I'm just ready to go. I'm ready for football to start. I'm ready for the Chiefs to, you know, smack, smack the Texans around. I'm just really ready to go. <laughs> I like that. You just let's get right to it. Well, guys, like I said, this is the last one. Starting next week, we're only going to be about the X's and O's and all about the Houston Texans breaking down that game. So no lists. We're just going to be breaking down the Houston Texans game next week and every game after that, hopefully through February. Right, guys? That's what we're hoping for. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
All right, guys. Until next week, take care. Uh, you too. Okay, so as far as um, the injuries go, it's just uh, Kalichi's got a little bit of a stiff neck. We'll probably pull off of him. And um, and then Rankin, again, has the knee, and and uh, that's kind of where we're at right now. So um, everybody else will get out and practice. Today will be like a Thursday practice, so <clears throat> like we would do in season Thursday. And we'll get, we'll get some good workout uh, of our guys there and, you know, we'll, we'll move around pretty quick on it. So, uh, but again, with all these situations that you work on Thursdays, you need, you, you need uh, to continue working on as we go forward. But anyways, with that time, George. <clears throat> Let's go to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach. Uh, good afternoon. I had to look at the clock there if it was morning or afternoon. So good afternoon. Um, uh, thanks, Herbie. I got to get the obvious out of the way. Um, reports are that you and Brett Veach have signed – a six-year contract extension, and if, if that is true, what does it mean to you that the Chiefs are committing to you for another six years coming off of a Super Bowl win? Yeah, well, I mean, Herbie, you know how we do it here. I mean, we, we don't talk about contracts and all that, but I, I would tell you that um, I love it here. Um, I, I appreciate the Hunt family, and I, I've mentioned that this is old news to you, I know, but I appreciate the Hunt family and all that they've done for me since I've been here. So, um, and, and our players and, and coaches. So I feel blessed that way. Um, uh, but that's, that's as, that's as far as I'm going to uh, go with that. Yeah. I love it here. Yeah. Let's go to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, coach, there's been some teasers about uh, rings and this is a little bit lighter off the field. Mm -hmm. I was curious what you, when you do get the Super Bowl ring, uh, plan to do with it as far as like, I know some guys will wear it to weddings or NFL events. Just yeah. how do you, how do you plan to handle it? Yeah, I, you wear it for special occasions uh, or if you want a free cheeseburger, you just point right there and show them that ring and you might get one. But, uh, um, you know, I, I've had a little bit of a sneak uh, peek at a picture of one. So I, I kind of, I don't know what it looks like uh, on a piece of paper, but I, I look forward to, uh, to seeing it just like we're all looking forward to see it. I mean, there's been such hard work that's gone into it. Uh, Clark Hunt, Tavia Hunt, the, the Hunt family have gone above and beyond with this. And uh, Mark Donovan organizing uh, this whole thing for the players in a crazy situation um, it, it has done phenomenal. So in his crew, I mean, they, They've done a great job. So we're, we're all looking forward to, uh, to, this, to this event. Yeah. Let's go to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Adam Young, I can't hear you. You're yeah, here we go. Hey, Andy, um, congratulations on the new contract. Uh, not that it didn't before, but it certainly looks like you're going to be able to finish your career here. What, what does that mean to you, um, being where you are in your career now? And also just wanted to ch double check that Dan Kilgore is going to practice today. Yeah, well, uh, there's nothing done on the contract right this minute. But, um, I, you know, that um, – I mean, if it, if it happens that way, I, I mean, I'd love that, obviously. I love Kansas City um, and, and the people – uh, our fans are phenomenal. Our ownership is phenomenal here. Um, Clark does it the right way. And uh, I've been blessed to be around Mark and Brett Veach and, uh, you know, P Rick Burke, all these people, Ted Cruz. I mean, these are all people that I knew before I got here. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a good situation. We're all willing to work. I mean, that's, that's what I, I don't want to be lost in all that talk and said, but people are, you know, willing to work and, and um, and that's so important, I think, to to the organization. If you're going to be a a good good organization for more more than one year, you've got to you got to keep putting it in each year. So. <clears throat> what was the other part of that? I'm sorry. Oh, just just confirming that Daniel Kilgore is going to practice. Come back to practice today. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he'll be back. To, Rick's got all the protocols that he has to go through and all that. So we'll we'll see where where he's at with us right now. Let's go to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Coach. Thanks for the time as always. Yeah, man. 
I'm curious, you know, now that, you know, training camp's closed and the off season that, that you've had is over, is there anything that you've had this, this time around that you would keep for the future that you've done differently, you know, anything that's come along or are you just going to get to April and want to go back to the way that things used to be? Well, I, I learned how to use a zoom. So I, you know, throughout this whole period, um, we'll see, well, let's see. I like to be in person with a person. So, uh, and the players as I'm, as I'm doing that. So I, I kind of like the way the off season was, I'm sure there's something we'll take out of it. Um, let's get through some of these games here and we'll, and we'll see how, uh, you know, uh, how well we like it. Yeah. We've got time for a couple more guys. We're going to go Nate Taylor and then Darren. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Andy. Um, I, I know you, the contract hasn't been officially yet, but in terms of so many guys on the roster suggesting dynasty and wanting to achieve that, how valuable is it for you, Brett Clark and Mark Donovan to sort of be in place if you guys are able to achieve that in the future? Yeah, sure. Continuity with players, Nate, and coaches is great. I mean, that's great. Uh, but the bottom bottom line is everybody's got to work. And so uh, all of the contracts, all the money aside from whomever, it doesn't matter, players or coaches, um, it doesn't matter. It, it's, how you, it's how you handle yourself in the sport and, and, uh, and how you attack it. So uh, that's where our primary focus has been throughout this. And, um, and we'll keep that, keep that rolling. Um, you know, that's something we can control. Let's go to Darren Smith to close it out. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, thank you very much, Coach. And uh, a couple of things. One, um, since you've seen the ring or seen the picture of it, how would you compare its design and everything compared to what you got in Green Bay? And can you just pull it out and show it to us while we're on the Zoom call? Uh, <laughs> and second, more importantly, though, uh, are there are there any regrets? I know I know. I think someone mentioned about about you know in person with us more or less. But are there any regrets that without having a preseason in the way uh, training camp has been has been done? that, um, you know, that you wish we would have had, like maybe Pat Patrick playing in a preseason game, getting some hits before his first hit being uh, next Thursday night? I think, I think uh, well, first of all, the ring part, I listen, I look forward to seeing it. It's hard to tell on a piece of paper, but um, it sure looked nice. But um, I, I would tell you, with, I, I like the preseason games. Whatever amount that you, that you get, I think it's good really for the young guys. It's also good for the – uh, for the rhythm, for the coaches on the sideline and the players on the field, for the for the ones and uh, the guys that are going to play in the game, I, I I think just going through that routine is healthy. I'm not saying that you have to have four games or three games, you know, or two. What, but you you'd like to at least have a dry run on it with that. Uh, we we've tried to do that the best we can without having that opportunity, and um, we we got a couple of dry runs over at the stadium there and. Uh, with the best we could in, in a lower key situation than a game. <clears throat>